All right. Well, we are currently in a series that we've called At the Movies. And in this series, we're taking different movies and we're watching clips from these movies and we're pulling out some godly principles that we can apply to our lives. And and I said this last week, but sometimes you ask, well, why are we watching, like, what is the point of this series? Why are we watching movies at church? You know, I like that and all. It's cool, but what are, what are we, what is the point of this? Well, here's what I believe. When Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that every time Jesus was teaching, he was teaching them, and then he would tell them a story. Some kind of a parable, some kind of a thing where it was like, you know, and let me help you understand it, it's like this. So they could relate it to their world and what's going on in their lives so they could better understand it. And I believe movies in today's culture can help us do that. So we're going to watch some clips of another movie today. Last week we watched the movie Wonder, some clips from that, and we talked about that. I encourage you to go back on the podcast and listen to that message if you were not able to be here last week and today we're going to look at a movie that is based on a true story and uh, one of my favorite movies that I've watched in the last few years as well and so ladies and gentlemen this is McFarlane USA hey we just set a record it's not a good one most points ever scored against this school, and it's halftime. <laughs> you think that's funny, Mitchell? <clears throat> no, sir. Well, then why are you laughing? You're our captain, elected by these guys, our only senior. Time for you to make an impression was in practice this week. On the field tonight, not now, and certainly not on the sidelines, planning a party at your parents' house because you know they're gone this weekend. Pick it up. Brandon, come here. Come here. Yeah, you. I said, pick it up. Now hand it to him. And we have about five minutes before we have to go out there in front of everybody who's come here to support us tonight. The question is, what's going to happen to you now when you have to go out there and everybody thinks that you're going to lay down? <laughs> get out. I didn't say anything. I said, get out. Are you kidding me? Come here, let me take a look at that. Saying Monday morning, we're out of here. Jim. No, we're not staying here, all right? I'm not having you and the girls stay here. I'll find something else. How? I, I don't remember there being a whole lot more options. Well, we'll move to Bakersfield, right? I'll commute. We cannot afford Bakersfield. Okay, look at us. We're living on a teacher's salary. If you just... If we had just stayed somewhere longer, I don't know, built up some tenure, then it would be different. Yourself. This is the only job you could get. Right? And our girls, they start that school on Monday. We just gotta make it work. 
gonna do it. Come on, hi. Please don't make me. No, I know, I know it's hard. Please don't make me. I know it's hard, but you gotta do it, okay? Is Julie helping? Principal Camillo. I'm Jim. Jim, the new life science guy and PE coach in football. That's right. Maria Marsol, how was the drive-in? You like living in Bakersfield? Bakersfield? No, we're uh, we're here in McFarland. Well, look at you. <sighs> A little help, please. <laughs> Certainly don't want a fire in this place. It could cost tens of dollars worth of damage, right? This is your last chance, son. Make the most of it. Jim White. Principal Camillo. How are you? Decaffeinated. Come on. I'm supposed to bleed a rock with a budget, handle the kids in their petty vendettas, and quit smoking. Who am I, Superman? What happened? Oh, some kid called his little sister a... I'm not going to repeat what he said, but it explains why she's pregnant. Sit down. Welcome to McFarland. You know, I was surprised that a man like you would want to come here. But then I read your file. Up in St. Paul, you were fired for verbally abusing your players. I don't use profanity. I was just trying to motivate some boys who didn't know the value of hard work. And, uh, fight with the chairman of the school board? Difference of opinion. And the Slatus incident. You want to tell me about that? I lost my temper. Should never have happened. What are the chances of it happening again? It's not going to happen again. Pleased to hear it. Because you're running out of options, Mr. White. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like you were a failure? Where you were in a season... And you felt like I'm failing at everything I do. It's like failure is just following me around. And you've been at a low point. And that's where Coach White was in this, this movie. It talks about how he lost his temper, he lost his job. And now he finds himself in McFarland, California, which is a place that most of us in this room have probably not heard of. And I had never heard of, and most people would not have heard of had it not been for this movie. And he finds him pl his, his self in a season in the middle of a place that nobody's heard of, taking a job that he doesn't really want because of things that he's failed at in his past. And it's like failure is following him around, and he's hit rock bottom, ending up in a town like this. And it's that feeling of, I'm never going to make it back. You ever been there? You made a decision, made a choice. And now you're thinking, I'm never going to make it back. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never, it's never going to be better. It's always one step forward and two steps back. It's never going to get any better. I'm never going to get back to what I used to be like or the way things used to be. But here's some good news that I want to share with you this morning. And hopefully it encourages you. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. So you can just go ahead and look at the person on your left and look at the person on your right and realize that they are not perfect. They're not perfect. But here's the thing. 
we're really good at making people think that we're perfect. And we don't like failure. We don't like looking bad. And so we talked about it some last week, how we put on a mask or we put on a costume. And I want you to see what I want you to see about me. And I want you to feel like I'm perfect. And so we're looking at people's Instagram feed. And it's like, oh, look at them little, oh, look, little kid just smiling. Just, oh, they're just so happy, have a good time. And what you don't know is that was picture 41. <laughs> Out of all the pictures that they took on their phone to post to Instagram to make everybody feel like we just have a perfect family, we always get along or whatever. And it's like we don't see that, that, that they were, it took 35 minutes to get their kids all gathered up or to get their kids dressed and their kids didn't want their hair fixed. And so now we had to redo their hair because their hair didn't, they didn't want it fixed and they're in this place. And we see what people want us to see. We post what we want people to think about us, but nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. So I feel like it's good ground to start with today as we're talking about failure and going through this message to realize that nobody's perfect. You're not going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. And that should encourage you today. I like what the Bible teaches in Ecclesiastes 7.20. says, there is no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. Nobody's perfect. The closest that any of us get to perfect is when we fill out a job application. Come on, somebody. You're working up the resume. Going to change jobs. Got to make myself look good. And so we're looking up synonyms for words that we don't even know what they mean. Putting them in there so that we sound more educated, we look more educated, we look more qualified, we look like we got it all together. And that's the closest to perfect that we're ever going to get. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. There's no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. Teddy Roosevelt, you can write this quote down because I believe it can help you later on in your life. He said it this way, the only man who never makes a mistake is the man who never does anything. The only man who never makes a mistake is the man who never does anything. So if you've made a mistake or you failed at something in your life, congratulations. It means you're trying to do something. That ought to make you feel good. <laughs> The only way you're ever going to go through life and never make a mistake or never fail at anything is if you never do anything. Failure is going to be a part of life. We can say it this way. The doorway to success is often found through the hallway of failure. The doorway at the end of the hall where you finally succeed and you finally accomplish what you were setting out to accomplish or what God has for your life it's down a long hallway of constant failure. We tried it that way, it didn't work. We tried that, it didn't work. We went there, it didn't work. Well, I thought that's what God was saying, but maybe I missed it. Well, I thought, and we have all these instances and these seasons in our life where we feel like we're failing. But here's the thing. You just got to keep moving down the hallway. So when I fail and I come on a door where it's failure in my life and I'm in a failing season, I'm going to take another step. Because as long as I'm stepping, as long as I'm moving, God can get me where he wants me to go, and I'll eventually get to the doorway of success, but it's going to be down a hallway where there's a lot of failure. Come on, some of the most successful people in the world that we know failed many, many times before they succeeded. We see the highlights of everything going on now, but we don't know everything that they went through to get there. We don't know the 13 times that they failed at that. There was There's a, a well-known pastor who pastors in Washington, D.C. that planted a church there years ago and tried to plant a church before, and it failed. Had to close the doors. 
But he finally achieved what God had on his life because he kept stepping toward it. Even though I failed, I'm going to keep stepping. Even though it doesn't look like I think it should look like, I'm going to keep stepping. I'm going to keep moving toward what God has for me. Failure is just an opportunity for something great to happen in you and through you. So I don't want you to be discouraged this morning by failures you've experienced or things that you might even be going through right now. Because your life is not your failures. Your life is not about the things that you've failed at. And we need to remember that success isn't a destination, it's a journey. It's a journey. And you're going to go through tough times. And we see that Coach White in this movie is going through a tough time and feeling like he's a failure and he's down in this season of his life. But I want you to check out this next clip. Uh, Coach Jenks doesn't think this arrangement is going to work out. And he's asked for you to step down. Now, I feel that if he's the coach of the football team... Wait, 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 hold, hold on. You're firing me? And nobody said you were fired. Well, he just asked me to step down. You didn't say no, which in my language means you're fired. Hold on, I just Jim. moved my family here. Hold on, Jim. I don't have the staff to go around firing people because some insecure jerk who can't stop eating his apple got all bent out of shape. What did you... Shut up. You had a chance to talk, and you let me do it for you. You're dismissed. <laughs> Am I fired? No, you're not fired either. Now get out of here. Look, I don't know if this is a pattern with you, and I don't know which one of you was a bigger jerk out there, but I'm counting on it that it wasn't you, because I need a PE teacher, and I need a life science teacher. I don't know how that sits with you, but that's how it sits. All right, run a lap. Go. Go. Sports, San Diego. Not anymore. Coach cut me. You too, huh? Seriously? <laughs> you got fired from football in your first week. All right. I'll rub it in. Congratulations, White. They're treating you like a picker. Can I talk to you a minute? Yeah. You mind if I shut the door? This requires a shut door? Cross country running. California is holding their first state championship this year. Cross country. That's a private school sport. They breathe different no, air than we do. No, it's the same air. 
You do understand we don't have a cross-country team? Yeah, what I don't understand is why we have a football team instead. I mean, we have, we have kids here who seem like they can run forever. They carb load on rice and beans. I mean, they pick an extreme heat. They go to school all day. Some of them even run home. I've seen it. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And you just described half the kids in the Central Valley. Jim, let me ask you something. You've coached cross-country before? No. Track? No. But you ran? Competed in high school, maybe? No. Well, you sound perfect. You know how fast you were going? What are you, a cop? Look, I don't know if this car speedometer is right. It's an old car, but if it if it is, you're running almost 12 miles an hour. It means you'd run a mile in five minutes. So, you always run that fast. I don't got a car, right? Can I give you a lift? No. But you can quit following me. These are the times from last year's county meet, and this is where Thomas would be right now. Top 10. Top 10 in the state, and he doesn't own a pair of decent running shoes. Look, Jim, you might be right, uh, but there's too many issues here, the school board being one of them. But if I had board approval, you'd back it, right? Well, yeah, sure, but that's never gonna happen. California public school system pre-approved six new sports a few years ago to get funding for new lockers, including, guess what? cross-country and a cross-country coach yeah it says it right here cross-country coach sometimes we feel like failure just keeps following us around and it's the constant you know just can't get ahead we feel like we just can't no matter what we try no matter what we do we just cannot get ahead and I love the fact that Coach White, even though he's in the middle of feeling like that, like I cannot get ahead in life. It's just following me around everywhere I go. I get here, and in the first week, I'm fired from being a football coach. But what we see is that his failure was actually an open door for a new opportunity that God wanted to give him. Something that had never been done before. But it was an open door for an opportunity because of a failure that he had just experienced in his life. And it's all about keeping your eyes open. So let me ask you a question. When you're at a season where you feel down, when you feel like you're failing, when you feel like nothing is going your way, are you, are you settling in that? Or do you is that a moment where you open your eyes and look around and say, you know what, God must have something different for me. God must have something better for me. God must have a new opportunity for me to step into. I love how one pastor uh, said it this way. He said, our failures are not a setback. They're actually a set up for our comeback and our success. So when you feel like you've been set back, the enemy's trying to convince you that you've been set back by the things that you've experienced and the things that you failed at and that have not worked out for you. 
and God saying, no, all of that stuff is just setting you up for what I have that's next for you. There's another opportunity that's coming that if you'll just open your eyes and don't get stuck in the failure, don't get stuck in feeling like you're never going to get out of this place, you're never going to get back to where you came from, you're never going to get back to the good old days or whatever you want to call it, and God says, if you open your eyes, I'm opening another door. There's a new opportunity, but you've got to open your eyes to see it. You can't look at your failure as a setback. You've got to say, you know what? God must be setting me up for something in this season. God's doing something in this season that he's never done before. I think about Elijah, a character in the Bible. And when you fail, maybe sometimes it's God trying to get your attention. I don't know if you've ever noticed this in your own life that something happened or something went away or something, you know, some season you went through and you felt like maybe God is trying to get my attention. And I think about Elijah, and if you go read his story just for the sake of time, we're not going to read it, but I'm going to tell you just bits and pieces of it. He's, he's settled by this brook and this stream of water, and he's being fed by the ravens. God's providing all of this for him, and he's getting comfortable where he's at. And then as the story goes on, it says that the brook dries up and the ravens quit feeding him. And here's what Elijah does, and it's what a lot of us do. Well, God, why did you bring me out here to just put me through this? If if you're really for me, and this is really your plan, then why did you bring me out here to then take away everything that you were giving me? You were providing see, we do this in our own life. We've talked about it with the children, with the Israelites and different, different people groups in the Word, in the Bible. It's like God does a miracle yesterday, and today we don't see anything. And so it's like, God, why have you left me out here to die? And God's like, I just did this yesterday to take you to the next level and where you're supposed to be going. And sometimes I think God's just trying to get our attention. Sometimes I think we get into a place where God's like, the only way I can get them to move forward in what I, they've just settled here. They think that this is, they've arrived. This is all there is. And the only thing I can do and that I know to do to get them to the next level with me and the next phase and the purpose of their life is to make them a little bit uncomfortable. So sometimes God will allow things in your life that make you a little bit uncomfortable so that he can take you to the next place he wants to go. Because if he doesn't make you uncomfortable, you'll never get up and leave. You'll just sit there and be content with what you have when God has so much more for you. And the only way he can get you there sometimes is to, to wake you up, to make you uncomfortable, to, to, to allow something to happen in your life that kind of gets you up off the ground and start moving in the direction and taking steps toward his purpose for your life. That's what we see with Elijah, and we see it a lot of times in our lives as well. Proverbs twenty thirty says, sometimes it takes a painful experience. Come on, somebody. To make us change our ways. Whew, could preach a whole message on Proverbs 20:30. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our way. You know what that says? Sometimes you're stubborn. <laughs> Sometimes you're stubborn and God's like, here's the next thing. Here's the next step. Here's the next thing I want you to do. Here's the next thing I want you to go into. And we're just so content with where we are and we're not moving. And God finally says, I'm going to have to wake them up. I'm going to have to get them uncomfortable a little bit so that they'll step into the next thing that I have for them. Sometimes it takes a painful experience in our lives to make us change our ways. And Coach White, he seizes a new opportunity. 
and he forms this team, this track team, and he takes them to their first country cross-country track meet, but things don't go exactly how he had planned. So check out this next clip. Begin with a combined score of 35. The winner is Centennial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Second, Palo Alto, 41. Third, Morro Bay, 61. And in uh, fourth place, with a score of 104. McFarland. That's a great race, boys. So I guess um, better luck next time, boys. Right? Yeah? Next time. What happened out there today was not your fault, you hear me? That was my fault. I should have checked the course. That final hill, I should have known about that. Thomas would have eaten that kid's lunch. What happened out there today is on me, understood? Understood? to us in Palo Alto, never going to happen again. Let's go. Let's go. Stretch out on the couch? Guess what? Me too, but it ain't gonna happen. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna catch our breath, and then we're gonna hit it again. Dang's about to collapse. It's hard. Hard? Yeah. I'll tell you what's hard. Is watching someone pass you on that last hill, just as Thomas. What's hard is losing when you know you haven't done enough. All right, we're gonna get to the point where when we see a hill, we smile. The higher, the better. Right? Now we know what we didn't know, right? Right? Now we know what we didn't know. Today's the beginning. Let's hit it again. Let's hit it again. Come on, guys. What are you waiting for, fellas? I love that line, now we know what we didn't know. Now we know what we didn't know. Another way that I think God uses our failures in those seasons of our life is sometimes he's trying to teach us something. Sometimes they went through a failure at their first track meet because they didn't know what to expect. They weren't prepared 
for what was coming. And then he makes the statement, well, now we know what we didn't know, so it's not ever going to happen to us again. Sometimes God's trying to teach us some things. It might be perseverance. could be something with our character, grace, mercy. I don't know what, what the lesson is that God might be trying to, to teach you, but when was the last time that when you were in a season or you felt like you were failing at something that you stopped and took a moment and said, God, is there something you're trying to teach me? Is there something you're trying to show me? Is there something you're trying to do in me? Is there something you're trying to, to make better? Is there, we, a lot of times with our kids, we try to, to do this whenever we get onto them or we discipline them. We try to make them say in response to us getting onto them and disciplining them, thank you for correcting me and making me better. <laughs> try that if somebody gets onto you. <laughs> somebody tries to discipline you, thank you for correcting me and making me better. And we try to do that. We don't always succeed <laughs> at that, but we try to do that in our home. And I think sometimes that's the way we need to look at our failures and the things we've been through in life is be able to say to God, thank you for correcting me. Thank you for allowing me to go through that and making me better. Thank you for doing in me what, because the place that you're taking me, I wouldn't be able to stay there if you didn't do in me what you did last week. If you hadn't done in me what you did three years ago, then I wouldn't be able to be in the place that I'm in right now. So sometimes God's trying to teach you something. And the problem is, in the middle of the hard seasons, that's when we miss some of the big God opportunities because we quit and we give up. A lot of times, whenever we get in a failing season or we're getting discouraged or things aren't going the way that we thought they would or the relationship doesn't look the way that we thought it would look, we decide that we're going to give up, that we're going to throw in the towel. And we miss a lot of God's big opportunities for our lives because we give up in those seasons. And I love what Thomas Edison said. He said, we often miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. <laughs> oh, let me say it again. We often miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. And so God's trying to do something in us. Or we're not satisfied with where our relationship is or where our marriage is or, or whatever that is, or our job situation. And God's saying, you know, sometimes you just need to plan the date. Sometimes you just need to take your wife out. Sometimes you need to be the one to set up the babysitter and take a step toward what you're wanting and what your desire is in your life. And God's trying to teach you through these seasons of your life that there is some things that you need to do. And you're not, gay, you're not seizing every opportunity that I have for you because it's dressed in a way that you don't want it to look like. I want to be able to pray. And it just happened. And God says, you want a better marriage? Go on a date. You want your kids to be respectful? Tell them they need to be respectful. You want, you want your job situation to look differently? Maybe you need to start working 100% as if you're working unto the Lord instead of complaining about your situation. And we don't like that a lot of times because it looks like work. And it doesn't look like what we want it to. Well, God, I just want to pray. I just want to pray. Get on my knees. God, change them. <laughs> change my wife. Change my husband. Change my kid. Bless God, I'm just giving them to you. Change my kids. And God says, you're the one that's stewarding them. <laughs> you, 
Can I just get all up in your business for just a minute? God, God changed my financial situation. And God says, you're the one that's stewarding the money. So how are you stewarding the money? Because how you steward the money can determine how your financial situation looks. Are you following me? Some of y'all ain't come back to church next week, but that's all right. I'm going to preach it till every seat's empty. We, wanna, we want like instant results, and we miss opportunities because it doesn't look like we thought it was going to look like. Hebrews 12, verses 11 through 13, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Can I get an amen there? It's painful, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. God has a reputation of using people that have made mistakes. God has a reputation of using people who have been through some things. You think about David, you think about Moses, you think about these characters in the Bible that have been through something in a season of their life, and then God shows up and says, here's your new opportunity. You thought you were just going to live in your failure, but here's the new opportunity that I have for you if you'll take it. There's always a new opportunity that God wants to give you. And the good news is that God knows all the things that we've done wrong, and he loves us anyway. Let's take a look at this next clip. Bridge, Thomas. I don't know. Who hit you? No one. I hit my dad, but it wasn't his fault. I don't know about that. Yeah, well, you don't know about a lot of things, okay, White? Yeah, we got a clue. All right, then, then explain it to me. Help me figure it out. Look, he's a picker. Right? He's not a foreman like Senor Diaz. He, he doesn't run a crew. He just tries to get whatever work he can find. Arizona, Texas, wherever. And he got back yesterday, and his baby girl was pregnant. So he just started hitting the wall, all right? I was trying to get him to stop, and I just got in the way. Look, if he hurts his hands, he can't work. Do you get that? Okay. Okay, Thomas, I get it. 
You want to know why I'm out here? Middle of the night, driving around by myself. No. Too bad, I'm going to tell you anyway. Forgot to buy my daughter's birthday cake. <laughs> it's a bad boy. Look, you, um, you scared me today. You did. You're, you're scaring me now. Do so you want to come off of there? Okay, then let me tell you the truth about what happens, how this ends, if you, if you fall from here. If you go off this bridge tonight and there's every chance you might, you'll, you'll probably live, all right? It's not that high, but I promise you, Thomas, there's no chance you'll ever run again. None. <laughs> right now, I'm guessing running's the best thing you've got. Feels as if it might be the only thing you've got. Come on. Okay. This verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it says, We felt we were doomed to die and saw how powerless we were to help ourselves, but that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God. He alone can save us. My question is, what is it today that you need to put in the hands of God? That you need to... Paul who's writing this we felt like we were doomed to die that everything was falling apart around us and we realized we can't get ourselves out of this we cannot help ourselves anymore and that's when we decided that we got to give this to God so what is the thing that maybe you can avoid getting all the way to rock bottom before you feel like you need to give it to God what is that thing right now that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you that he's saying, you need to give that to God? That thing that you're worried about, that thing that you're going through, that relationship, that, that failure, that season of your life, the worry, the stress, the shame. What is the thing that you need to say today? You know what? I can't help myself. I don't have the power to get me out of this. I don't have the power to keep moving forward. So today I'm going to put it in God's hands because he's the only one that can take me to the next place. What is that thing for you? All of the struggles that this McFarland team had didn't stop them or define them. And I want to tell you today that failure does not define you. So what you have failed at and what you have been through does not define you. That is not who you are. 
God defines you. So there are some people here today that you need to come to the realization and rest in your spirit and in your heart that my failure and the things that I've been through, the things that I've done, the shame that I've been carrying around, that does not define me. God defines me. Those things do not define me. God's about to open up a new opportunity for me. Even though I've been through all that stuff, God did not walk away. Can I tell you, when you make a bad choice, you made a bad decision, you've been through a bad season of your life, God did not leave you. God did not leave you. He's just waiting for you to put it in his hands so that he can take care of it and do what only he can do. Amen? God can take your worst failures and turn it into your greatest purpose. And maybe you need to surrender to Jesus because he's the only person who can turn your failure into something great. The failure that keeps following you around, the bad decision that you made that you don't ever think you're going to be able to live down, people are never going to forget about, the shame that you're carrying around. There's only one person that can take that and turn it into something great, and that's Jesus, when we decide to give it to him. Failure is not a setback. It's just a setup for what God has for us next. I want us to watch this last clip together, and then we'll wrap it up today. All right, everybody, gather around. Come on. I want you to look around. Best in the state, right? Every team that's here deserves to be, including you. They haven't got what you got, right? They don't get up at dawn like you and go to work in the fields, right? They don't go to school all day and then go back to those same fields. That's what you do. And then you come out with me and you run eight miles, ten miles, and you take on, you take on even more pain. These kids don't do what you do. They can't even imagine it. When I went out in the field that day with you Diaz kids, I'll be honest with you, it was a it's the worst day's work I ever had to do in my life. And I said to myself, whatever kind of crappy job I end up in, it'll never be as tough as that. You kids do it every day. And your parents hope they can do it every day. And they'll do it for a lifetime if it means a better life for you. You guys are superhuman. Don't you endure just to be here, to get a shot at this? The kind of privilege that someone like me takes for granted? There's nothing you can't do with that kind of strength, with that kind of heart. The kids have the biggest hearts I've ever seen. Now go run your race. Tom Shula, you're the captain. Coach, want to call him?
dogs, trash. Good luck today, gentlemen. Runners, take your mark. We'll bring the worship team back up. It's it's time to run your race. It's time to it's time to run the race that God has given you to run. And I don't know what's been holding you back. I don't know if it's failure, if it's shame, what the thing is that's been keeping you from running your race, but it's time to run your race. I love what Hebrews 12:1 says. That therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. And the reason we get discouraged in failure is because we treat life as a sprint. Well, I thought I was almost there. I thought I'd almost arrived and then I failed. Then this fell out from underneath me. This, no. God says, that's not the end of your story. That's not the end of the race. The race is still going. When you fall down, you just get back up and start running again. You are not your failure. And failure does not define you. Will you stand to your feet today? See, in this, in this movie, we see a man who failed, but didn't allow his failure to be final. And the thing that he failed at in the beginning of the movie led him to his greatest success in the future. But he had to open his eyes and see a new opportunity that God was presenting in the middle of a season of failure. Failure does not define you. God defines you. Somebody needs to know that today. That failure, the thing that you did, the place that you've been in, the season of your life, it does not define you. God defines you. God defines you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. I want to invite the prayer team to come down. This, this same this movie based on a true story this same cross country team went on in this season that we watched they went on to win the championship the state title and then nine titles after that in the next 14 years and a lot of those kids went on to run in college on scholarships and this town that nobody knew about turned into a town that everybody knew about for their championships. Failure didn't define them. And when they stepped into the new opportunity that God had for them, the new door that God opened up for them, it led them to their greatest success in life. Failure does not define you. God defines you. 
And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going we're gonna to sing one final song here in just a moment. And we're going to sing this song that's called Give Me Faith. And I can't think of a better way to end our time today than to declare that God is going to give us new faith today. He's going to give us new eyes, fresh eyes to see our situation, to see the people around us, to see the things that we thought had set us back, but the new opportunity that's coming. The new opportunity, the new door that God is opening up for you. And our prayer team is down here at the front. And when we begin to sing this last song and the worship team begins to sing, if you need prayer for anything in your life, you can come down for prayer. Maybe there's something you've been carrying around and you just need somebody to encourage you. Maybe there's a decision you need to make and you need somebody to just believe with you. I don't know what it is that you need prayer for. We all need prayer at times. But we invite you as we begin to sing this last song, if you need prayer for anything in your life, you can come down for prayer. And we're going to worship, for those of us that are back at our seats, we're going to worship God. And we're going to declare that he's going to give us new faith today as we walk out of this building. Amen. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.